you can find it in the rainforest, on the frontiers of medical research, in the movies, and it's all over the world of wireless communications. One of nature's biggest design secrets has finally been revealed. My God, of course, it's obvious. It's an odd-looking shape you may never have heard of, but it's everywhere around you. The jagged, repeating form called a fractal. They're all over in biology. They're solutions that natural selection has come up with over and over and over again. Fractals are in our lungs, kidneys, and blood vessels. Flowers, plants, weather systems, the rhythms of the heart, the very essences of life. But it took a maverick mathematician to figure out how they work. I don't play with formulas. I play with pictures, and that is what I've been doing all my life. His was a bold challenge to centuries-old assumptions about the various forms that nature takes. The blinders came off, and people could see forms that were always there, but formerly were invisible. You can see it in the clouds, in the mountains, even inside the human body. The key to fractal geometry, and the thing that evaded anyone until really Mandelbrot sort of said, "This is the way to look at things," is that if you look on the surface, you see complexity, and it looks very non-mathematical. What Mandelbrot said was that think not of what you see, but what it took to produce what you see. It takes endless repetition, and that gives rise to one of the defining characteristics of a fractal: what mathematicians call self-similarity. The main idea is always, as you zoom in and zoom out, the object looks the same. If you look at something at this scale, and then you pick a small piece of it and you zoom in, it looks very much the same. The whole of the fractal looks just like a part. Which looks just like the next smaller part. The similarity of the pattern just keeps on going. One of the most familiar examples of self-similarity is a tree. If we look at each of the nodes, the branching nodes of this tree, what you'll actually see is that the pattern of branching is very similar throughout the tree. As we go from the base of the tree to higher up. You'll see we'll have mother branches, then branching, then into daughter branches. If we take this one branch and node, and then go up to a higher branch or node, what we'll actually find is again that the pattern of branching is similar. Again, this pattern of branching is repeated throughout the tree, all the way ultimately out to the tips where the leaves are. You see self-similarity in everything, from a stalk of broccoli. To the surface of the moon, to the arteries that transport blood through our bodies. But Mandelbrot's fascination with these irregular-looking shapes put him squarely at odds with centuries of mathematical tradition. In the whole of science, the whole of mathematics, the smoothness was everything. What I did was to open up roughness for investigation. We use mathematics to build the pyramids, to, to construct the Parthenon.、Uh, we use mathematics to study the regular motion of the planets and so forth. 
we became used to the fact that certain patterns were amenable to mathematics, the, the architectural ones, but largely the patterns of human-made structures where we had straight lines and circles and the, and the perfect geometric shapes. The basic assumption that underlies classical mathematics is that everything is extremely regular. I mean, it, it, you reduce everything to straight lines. Circles, triangles. Flat surfaces. Pyramids. Tetrahedron, icosahedron, dodecahedron, smooth edges. Classical mathematics is really only well suited to study the world that we've created, the things we've built using that classical mathematics. The patterns in nature, the things that were already there before we came onto the planet, the trees, the plants, the clouds, the weather systems, those were outside of mathematics. Until the 1970s, when Benoit Mandelbrot introduced his new geometry. Mandelbrot came along and said, hey guys, all you need to do is look at these patterns of nature in the right way, and you can apply mathematics. There is an order beneath the seeming chaos. You can write down formulas that describe clouds and flowers and plants. It's just that they're different kinds of formulas, and they give you a different kind of geometry. The big question is, why did it take till the 1970s before somebody wrote a book called The Fractal Geometry of Nature, if they're all around us? Why didn't we see them before? The answer seems to be, well, people were seeing them before. People clearly recognize this repeating quality in nature. People like the great 19th century Japanese artist Katsushka Hokusai. If you look well enough, you see a shadow of a cloud over Mount Fuji. The cloud is billows upon billows upon billows. Hokusai with the great wave, you know, on top of the great wave, the smaller waves. After my book mentioned that Hokusai was fractal, I got inundated with people who say, now we understand Hokusai. Hokusai was drawing fractals. Everybody thinks that mathematicians are very different from artists. I've come to realize that art is actually really close to mathematics and that they're just using different language. And so for Mandelbrot, it's not about equations. It's about how do we explain this visual phenomenon. Peace be upon you. So God willing, today we're talking about fractals. And um, I took those excerpts from a documentary uh, by Nova, uh, entitled Hunting the Hidden Dimensions, and it's all about fractals. If you want to check it out, God willing, I'll link to it. And the reason we're talking about it is because there was something that said, there's a couple items that uh, uh, I think are very comparable to the uh, better understanding of the Quran. And one of the things is when you look out at nature, things are designed in a uh, fractal geometry. Uh, when you look at like squares and triangles and these kind of constructs, these are typically human-made constructs. But when you look at nature, uh, nature predominantly works in a uh, fractal geometry. Uh, you look at the example of a, a mountain range. Um, you don't see, you know, typically squares and triangles, but you do see a fractal structure. Same thing with trees. If you look at the uh, the base of the tree versus the branches versus the leaves versus the veins in the leaves, you see that it's all uh, uh, fractals. And from the definition of a fractal, 
the idea is that no matter what scale you look at the fractal, uh, if you go infinitely um, uh, close up or far out, you see one of the same structure because what happens in a fractal is you take a existing pattern and you constantly repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it upon itself. And this, uh, this uh, formation gives you this uh, fractal look and you see it everywhere. And um, it's interesting, there was a recent article uh, from a Nautilus, and it was saying how the comparison between the human brain, which is also fractal in design because you look at a neuron with its dendrites and its connections, and you uh, ex uh, expand that out and you see the entire brain, uh, you see this kind of fractal geometry again. And also when you look at the, uh, the galaxies, uh, and keep in mind the scales are so vastly different, you're talking about something that's in the uh, uh, angstroms, uh, versus something that you need, you know, telescopes that are uh, kilometers uh, apart uh, to be able to uh, to grasp, um, you know, when you're looking at the galaxies that are hundreds of millions of light years apart. And just to give you some interesting baseline, the uh, the human brain has about 100 billion uh, neurons and galaxies. There's about 100 billion uh, galaxies in the observable universe. And the human brain has about 100 trillion connections, and there's uh, just as many stars in the, uh, the, the observable universe. And the article was looking at how the comparison between the human brain and the, the universe, they're uh, comparable, and they're both fractal. So why are we talking about fractals? The aspect is, you know, we know that the Quran is not written by human, and further evidence of that is that the structure of the Quran is actually written in a fractal design. And this is an awesome uh, observation. If you look at the very first chapter of the Quran, pretty much it sums up all the themes within the Quran in these simple seven chapter, uh, seven verses. So I'm going to read it really quick. It says, in the name of God, most gracious, most merciful, praise be to God, Lord of the universe, most gracious, most merciful, master of the day of judgment, you alone we worship, you alone we ask for help, guide us in the right path, the path of those whom you've blessed, not of those who have deserved wrath, nor of the strayers. And... Um, it's awesome because literally these seven verses constitute the entire religion, the entire Quran. But needless to say, this is just zooming in on one part of the Quran, or you can zoom out and absorb the entire Quran, and you get one and the same meaning. And um, a lot of people, when they first get the Quran, uh, the, the complaint you hear, they say, it's repetitive. Uh, all it says is God is great, and you know, don't be bad, and be good. And it's, it just shows how short-sighted they are. It's, look... This is designed by the same creator who designed the heavens and the earth, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the physiology, the biology, um, everything we see within nature, God designed, and God designed it in a fractal design. So it only makes sense that if God is writing a book for humankind, that he's going to write it in a fractal structure. And you can break down these seven verses into three themes. The first theme is believe in God. When you say, in the name of God, most gracious, most merciful, praise be to God, Lord of the universe, most gracious, most merciful. It's defining who God is. You know, God is most gracious, most merciful, master of the day of judgment. And this is constituting the essence of who God is. And obviously, all the other verses in the Quran, the 6,234 verses, 114 chapters, they're basically getting deeper into that subject matter. And the second one where it says, uh, theme is uh, Judgment Day. It says, Master of the Day of Judgment. This is a uh, criteria for the believers is that we have to believe in a day of judgment, a day where all of us are going to be resurrected, uh, coming before our creator, and we're going to be judged for all the decisions, all the good deeds, the bad deeds that we've done in this life. And the last part can be broken down to leading a righteous life. Uh, it says, oh, uh, you alone we worship, you alone we ask for help. Guide us in the right path, the path of those whom you've blessed, not of those who deserve wrath, nor of the strayers. And this is 
in essence, uh, beckoning God to allow us to lead a righteous life. Because without God, there is no righteousness. And um, this is a theme throughout the entire Quran. In chapter 2, verse 62 and 569, we see the same thing written. It says, surely those who believe, those who are Jewish, the Christians, the converts, anyone who, one, believes in God, two, believes in the hereafter, three, leads a righteous life, will receive their recompense from their Lord. They have nothing to fear, nor will they grieve. And again, you're seeing this fractal structure where you're looking at, you know, a chapter, then a verse. And then you can go from, you know, one verse from one chapter to a separate verse in a separate chapter. And you see how these are all related. And I genuinely believe that because of the fractal structure of the Quran, this makes us more intelligent because it forces our brain to work harder to make these new connections, make these new understandings. That's the reason you can read the Quran an infinite number of times and each time pull out new meaning and new understanding and see things in a new light that you've never seen before. It's because all these secrets are embedded inside. And as we grow in understanding, as we start making these connections, as we start seeing things deeper, we start understanding better what God is trying to convey to us. And this is an awesome design and it's something that Next time you give the Quran to someone and they kind of just, uh, you know, they uh, they put it aside. They say, you know, this is a, just repetitive. It doesn't make any sense. You can explain to them that, no, this is the design of the creator. The creator creates things in fractal structures. And one of the awesome things about fractals that's also talked about in the, uh, um, the, the video excerpts is that there is an underlying mathematical formula uh, behind it, even though that these are just incredibly comp, uh, complex shapes in abstract orientations, that there's a simple underlying mathematical structure that puts this into place. And the Quran is no different than that. If you guys get a chance, look back at the, uh, the, the podcast entitled Encryption, and it talks about the mathematical miracle, the Quran. But just to recap, the Quran has 29 chapters with miscellaneous initials. And uh, below each one of these random initials, it gives kind of a context. It says, these initials constitute proofs of this scripture, or, uh, you know, this book is uh, uh, from the creator. Um, and it's telling us, okay, there's something about these initials. And for 1400 years, no one knew what these initials meant. And what ended up happening is that the number of initials in the selective chapters consistently end up becoming multiples of 19. And we see this because chapter 74, entitled The Hidden Secret, uh, gives us this key to the mathematical miracle. And um, again, if you get a chance, listen to the uh, podcast on encryption. Uh, <laughs> did a better job as far as God only uh, putting that one together and explaining the uh, mathematical structure of the Quran. But um, just like fractal, uh, you see that there's an underlying mathematical structure behind all this. That even though it might seem repetitive or it might not seem to make sense, you know, why does it jump from one verse to another? Um, that you realize there's an underlying pattern and design in this, and it's designed by the creator of the universe. And, you know, the fact that we see fractals in every dimension, we see it in the Quran, we see it in ourselves, we see it in the galaxies. God tells us in uh, chapter 41, verse 53, it says, we will show them our proofs in the horizons and within themselves until they realize that this is the truth. Is your Lord not sufficient as a witness of all things? So next time, you know, we're uh, looking at nature, reading the Quran, we can appreciate the fractal structure that God has put in place there and be able to understand the intricacies and what a beautiful design. God willing, we're going to stop there. If you guys got comments, questions, as always, hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com or on Twitter at TalkQuran. Until next time, peace and God bless.